is a judge that we face with no Christ in the lawyers bringing the briefcase. Well, let's pray together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. And Lord, I just, I'm so encouraged, God, by the excitement in this room. Lord, it's good to be, be together with family, that, that we are because of Jesus through faith in him. And, and Lord, I, I, uh, I treasure this, God. I truly treasure this. And my, my faith is encouraged, God, by my brothers and sisters. And Lord, we pray for those who are here today, maybe who don't know Jesus just yet, God. And I I ask, God, that they would see, Lord, that you're a real God, that you're a God who makes a difference, who, who pulls us out of the mess of our sin and brings forgiveness uh, and eternal life through Jesus. And, God, I pray that that would be clear even now as I preach, God. Lord, we lift up the churches in our community, Lord. We pray, God, that you would give them a bold gospel witness. Father, cause them to, to succeed in all that they do as they set their eyes on Jesus, God. Lord, I pray that that the the churches in our community would be committed to your word, committed to the good news of Jesus, God. Um, Lord, we ask this for City Lights, for New Life Community, Lord, for for Belmont Assembly and Legacy and uh, and Bethany Baptist Church and so many others, God. We we just, God, we we pray, Lord, that you'd cause them, Lord, to to grow and to be strong in Christ. And for us here today, Lord, give us a, a renewed vision for what you want us to do in our lives, God. I pray that we would have a focus for you, God. Lord, I pray that, that, that today that you would give us the ears to hear from you, that, that there wouldn't be things that plug up our hearing today, but that you'd give us ears to hear and that you would remove the scales from our eyes and give us eyes to see all that you would have us see and hear today, Lord. Lord, we pray for our, uh, just our, our country, Lord. We, we pray, Lord, that, that we, this church, our church, Lord, your church, Jesus, would be salt and light, and that, God, you would use us to make a difference for eternity. We praise you, and we, we ask that you would move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of my uh, favorite movies is the, the, the Bourne Identity series. Any of you Jason Bourne fans out there? Man, me and Erica love these things, and it's a little out of control for us, but we, we love it. And if you don't know, the, the premise of the story is that there's this soldier who is tr- tremendously trained as a soldier and as an assassin, and uh, he has a, an important mission to go on, and it's a failed mission, and through it, he, he loses his memory. And the, 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 the whole trilogy is him trying to remember who he is and under- unpack his storyline. And what's amazing in the story is as, as he's starting to kind of remember things again, he starts wondering, why, why do I have these insane reflexes? You know, why am I always alert? Why do I'm always aware of my surroundings? Why is it that when someone comes after me, I'm able to take them out in a heartbeat? And, and as he starts understanding this, he comes to realize that, that he is a soldier, that he has an identity in the military, and he was given a mission to follow through with, but these things got him off course. They got him off track, and he spends the rest of his life trying to uncover his identity. And you know, we've been doing a series here in the church, and I think some of what I've been trying to do is help us uncover and recover the identity of the church. You know, we we are people who've been given, all who are followers of Jesus, we've been given God's Holy Spirit to live within us. And we have these kind of insane reflexes, if you will. We, We have 
the empowerment of God himself living within every follower of Jesus. And there are times in our lives where all of a sudden we sense that God is working through us. But if we forget our identity as Christians, we get off course. And I want us to recover our identity, to understand who we are and how we've been empowered by God. This is something that's true of every Christian, everyone who's put their faith in Jesus. And as I prayed in my prayer, and I want us to, to be clear and understand that, that we know that coming to the church gathering doesn't make us a Christian any more than being in a, a garage makes you a car, right? But, but what makes someone a follower of Jesus is when we've turned away from our sin, all the things in our lives that have rebelled against God, we've asked his forgiveness because we know we deserve punishment and death, and God instead has given us the righteousness of Jesus. He has clothed us and forgiven us and given us life. That, that's what makes us a Christian. And if you're a Christian today, you've got an identity that is unique. It, it is something that's remarkable. It calls us as Christians to be different than the world. Not to, not to isolate ourselves, but, but we're different than the society we live in. It, it's a unique calling We're uniquely designed for God's mission because we've been established on a unique foundation and been transformed for a unique purpose. We were established on a unique foundation and transformed for a unique purpose. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning as we uncover our identity and that this identity crisis that has pervaded so many children of God that we would begin to put that aside It does grieve and burden my heart when I see the church throughout our countries seemingly falling to the traps of Satan and our own flesh. So today we're going to take a look at this unique mission and a unique identity and title the sermon Living Stones because that's part of our identity. We are those who are bricks built upon Jesus, the cornerstone. So in order to look at that, let's take a look at the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. Would you turn your Bibles, if you've got one there, 1 Peter chapter 2. There's one in a pew in front of you. There's a Bible there. It's on page 1014 in the pew Bible. I'm going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and following. And as you're turning there, I want to give you a backdrop onto the book of 1 Peter Peter, the the follower of Jesus, the the disciple, wrote this letter to a group of people, a church who had been suffering, a a church that has been discouraged and and worn down by life. You ever been in that place? Discouraged and worn down by life? Maybe opposed by family and friends because of your faith? Maybe you're just fighting that battle within your heart because you know you want to love and live for Jesus and you don't know how to get forward. Peter's writing to people like you and me people who are in the middle of the fire at times. And he wants them to understand their identity, to remember who they are, to remind them what God has made them to be. And so here he comes in chapter 2, verse 1. He's just told them that God has made them to be born again through faith in Jesus. And then he says this. He says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. He's saying, put those things away. Turn away from those things. That's what the Bible calls repentance. You turn away from the sin, and then you turn to Jesus. And he says, like newborn infants, 
Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, and he is good. And then he says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And speaking of Jesus, he says in verse 6, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. I'm going to pause there. As we come to understand our identity as followers of Jesus, we've got to understand that we're, our, our lives are built on a unique foundation, guys. I think sometimes we want to build our lives on things that ultimately fall away. They crumble. It could be all kinds of ambitions and dreams, things that may be good in, in and of themselves, but they were never meant to be a foundation. They're meant to be built upon a foundation. Peter says, as you come to him in verse 4, a living stone rejected by men, saying, as you come to Jesus, this is what I want you to know. Now hear me. I think sometimes the church, we lose our identity because we think of our identity as a Christian as a past tense thing. I believed in Jesus. I became a Christian. I I returned from my sin, but, but we often forget the present tense nature of I'm still coming to Jesus every day and looking to him. See, our identity is to understand that Jesus is the foundation upon which our faith is built, but he's also the one to whom we turn to every single day. And Peter says, as you come to him, not since you once came to him, not since you came to him a long time ago, but as you come to him every day, this is what you need to know, that Jesus is a living stone, he says, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Jesus is a living stone, which means that our faith is a living faith. See, another thing that we forget sometimes about our identities is that our, our faith is alive and active. Jesus isn't a static entity He's not a religious leader of the past that founded a belief that we could read about in history books. And while those things may be true, that's not merely who he is. He is a living stone. He is one who has conquered death. He is alive, which means our faith ought to be alive. And when our faith is static and dull and lifeless, it's because we've forgotten our identity that we're built on a living stone. And Jesus is a living stone, though, who, is, who Peter says was rejected. He was rejected. See, what Peter's trying to do here, he wants to encourage those who are struggling in their faith, kind of like you and I do at different times, saying, hey, I want you to understand this. The one that you put your faith in was also rejected, just as you might feel rejected. But he was also chosen by God and precious to God as you have been chosen by God and are precious to God. Therefore, Jesus' mission has given you an identity. You are a child of God built upon a living 
faith. We have a unique mission. And Peter says, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him is one who is themselves a living stone. But then Peter goes on to talk about our identity more so. So, so sure, we're built upon Jesus. Christians, followers of Jesus, have a faith that is alive. But then he also gives us a new identity with that faith. Check out what he says in verse 5. I love what, what Peter does here. He says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now he's playing with some metaphors here. He's saying Jesus is like a living stone. He's that cornerstone, that, that one that a building is built upon, and you yourselves are like a building, he says. You are a spiritual house. But not only are you like the building, but you're also like the priest, he says, a holy priesthood. You are the ones that worship in the building. So he says the Christians are both the holy building and the priests within the building. And these are two metaphors that he brings to our attention for a reason. The the first metaphor is this, that we are living stones built up onto a spiritual house, he says in verse 5. That that spiritual house, I think, is is to convey the idea of, of a temple. See, Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It's the temple that he was referring to when he said it. And so the the temple is a holy place. And what Peter is saying here, because Jesus is that foundation that your faith is built upon, you then are like a temple of God. That's an interesting metaphor. You are like a temple of God. And here the you is plural, so he's talking about the church as a whole. So there's a collective idea, and then there's also a personal one. If you're a child of God today, have you ever considered the fact that you are God's temple and what that means for you when i was in high school my brother and i were, were a rap group we were a duo yeah you might not have known that and our, our rap group was called watoffs you know what that stood for we are temples of the holy spirit now i tried googling but there's nothing on on google about our group and it's probably because the internet's not as old as, as we were but, but I remember, you know, milk does a body good, but in a spiritual life, the cowbell won't do. That's, that's one, one of my lines. Is that pretty good? It was, it was high school, guys, all right? But I remember how significant it was when the idea that, wait, I'm a temple, which means that God dwells within me. And the life that I live says something about the temple that I keep. Here how Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6. He talks to the church in verse, verses 18 through 20. He says, flee from sexual immorality, he tells them. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then he says, or do you know, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I remember hearing those words and thinking, wow. My my sexual identity and purity reflects my belief on whether or not I'm a temple of God. 
I, I want us to understand this. Peter says that when we build our lives on Jesus, the cornerstone, we then are being built up into a holy temple, if you will, metaphorically speaking. You, your body, your life is being transformed by the good news of Jesus because that's what Jesus does. And as one who's been transformed, you become God's temple. We collectively become God's temple. Now, what are the implications of that? What I love is what, what Paul says. He says, do you not know then that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He says, you've got to live your lives in such a way that reflects that. And, and so I, I want to I press here for a moment. We live in a sexually crazed society, and there's no denying it. All of us, in one form or another, have been stung by the sexual exploitation in our culture. We've we've experienced the the bitterness of the objectification of women, of, of the sexual identity confusions that come in our society because sex is so prolifically spread out everywhere, be it internet, TV, billboards, buses, you name it. All of us have been stung by that. What I love what Peter does, he reminds us of our identity, which means we don't live in shame because of our failures, but we must come to Jesus because of our failure and say, God, forgive me, receive his forgiveness, and walk in that forgiveness. But still, we must understand, though, where we're turning away from. We had a, a training not long ago, and, and Jeremy quoted, a, 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 I believe it was a pastor in a community, that says that we often live as strangers to our own soul. A lot of times we, we don't take our eyes and face them inward. I, I want you to do that right now. I want you to face your eyes inward and say, God, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. If I am a Christian today, if I'm a follower of Jesus, is my life a place where you're welcomed? Am I living in this way? J.I. Packer, he's a a theologian, he talked about this idea that the Bible calls repentance. That's turning away from our sin. And, And this is what I think Peter wants us to understand. He wants the church who's facing hardship to understand that God wants us to turn from our sin and turn to Jesus because through that, he begins to sanctify us. He begins to root out of our lives those things that displease God and makes us into a temple, not just positionally though we are, but also progressively we grow in our holiness. J.I. Packer says this. He says, repentance means turning from as much as you know of your sin to give as much as you know of yourself to as much of you know as you know of your God. And, and as our knowledge grows at these three points, so our practice of repentance has to be enlarged. As we turn our eyes inward, how much of your sin do you know? How much of your sin do you know? How much of your battles are you aware of? I know, we all know how tempting it is to not look inward. Because sometimes we see a chasm. We see things we don't want to deal with. But God wants to deal with it. God wants to take the filth of our flesh 
and make us right with him. That happens at the first place when we first put our faith in Jesus, and it happens daily as you come to him, like Peter told us. So I want you to come to Jesus and experience his wholeness because of his holiness, how, how he cleanses us. Peter says we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we must understand our sin. We also must then turn to as much as we know of our God. See, this is the beautiful thing about the church. This is the beautiful thing, one of the beautiful things about being a Christian is as we become aware of our failures and our imperfections and our sin, God does not leave us there in this place of guilt and shame, but he says, I want you to become more aware of my grace and my mercy and my forgiveness so that where your sin overwhelms, my grace brings relief. Where your sin condemns, my grace brings restoration. These anchored theology courses where classes we're offering, guys, that's how you come to know more of your God as you dig in the scriptures. You dig with other people as we're doing on Wednesdays. You dig on your own as you ought to do every day. Why? So that as you come more aware of your sin, you also come to know more of your God. You can walk in the joy and freedom and not the guilt and the shame. We're all being put to the test. In particular, with our sexual identity and living. I just want to give an exhortation to you who are single here today that you walking in holiness is worth it. That, that you're choosing to remain abstinent until marriage is worth it. And here's why. First of all, it's God's design for you, sexually speaking. God created sex within the confines, to be enjoyed within the confines of marriage. And the reason he did it is for your protection and your good. Because outside of marriage, what sex does is leave you broken. That's why Paul says, do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, it breaks you. Part of you is left there and there. And there's a tearing, there's a hurt and a pain that comes with that. And so God is a God who loves you and says, I want you to understand my design for sex within marriage. And so I just charge you and I plead with you, brother and sister, if you're single today, that you would fight for your purity, that you wouldn't bow to the idols of our culture that say, let your body go freely. Because Satan is a liar and it will only bring hurt. I guarantee it. Now perhaps you've crossed those lines already. Perhaps it's part of your past, maybe in part of your present maybe part of your tomorrow as you look ahead. And this is where the good news of Jesus is so good to us, is that we don't have to walk in the guilt and shame and even in the brokenness that we bring into our lives. God can bring healing to that as we come to know Jesus. He's so good to us. He's a God who heals and restores. Those of you who are married today, my exhortation is to you, don't leave your marriage. Don't leave your marriage. God is a God who can restore and heal and bring hope even when there feels like there's none left. We serve a merciful God who meets us in our place, whether it be in our singleness or in our married life. He heals us, he restores us, and he gives us the power to walk in that healing and restoration. Do you not know that your body is a temple 
of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, the shed blood of Jesus. So as much as you know of your sin, then turn it to as much as you know of your God and be on that learning of more and more of who your God is. As you come to know our God family, we come to understand our identity. Forget what the world tells us about who you are. Don't be, don't be fooled by what the world has to say about your identity. This is what God says to everyone who is a child of God, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old you is gone, a new you has come. That's truth. Or as Galatians says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. That's truth. The old you is gone. Or as John says, he says, I'm writing things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's truth that restores. Or this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to die for you. Or as Roman 8 tells us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Maybe you bring a history and a past to where you're at today. If you're a Christian, there is no con- there's no condemning you. Hear that. There is no condemning you, church. There's no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. This is what our God does. And so Peter says, we are like living stones built upon the living cornerstone, Jesus. We've been clothed with his righteousness. He took off the clothing of sin and the clothing of shame. You're a holy temple. And he says there in verse 5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So not only are we the temple, but Peter says you're also the priest. You're also the one who goes into the temple and worships and, and honors God. And again, he's, he's mixing metaphors here, but he wants us to understand the fact that we are built on Jesus like a temple and that we are also those who worship like a priest. See, in the Old Testament of the Scriptures, There was a group of people called the Levites. They're one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Levites were also called the priests. They were the ones given the responsibility to walk into the temple and offer sacrifices and worship to God on behalf of the people. And there was a high priest who had the privilege once a year of going into this place called the Holy of Holies and to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And that Holy of Holies was separated by a curtain. And what the Bible tells us is that when Jesus went to the cross, when he died on that cross, it says that the, the, the curtain of the temple was torn apart, literally, which also had a figurative and spiritual meaning. And the meaning was this, that Jesus, the high priest now, intercedes for us and brings forgiveness, and that we now, all who are children of God, have the identity of being called a priest. A priest. This is where I think um, 
the Catholic Church has gotten so off in calling the priests the priests and the people the people, but that, that's, not, that's not what the Bible shows us. Here Paul, uh, Peter says in verse 5, you are called to be a holy priesthood. You, Christian, are the priest, which means then God has given you the opportunity of coming directly to him in prayer and in worship. What a privilege. You don't have to go through anybody else to talk to God. You go right to the source. You don't have to tug on Mary's ear. You go right to Jesus. You don't need someone else to bring your your sin to God. You can say, God, I need you because you're a priesthood. This is what the Bible shows us. That's our identity. And so again, big picture, I think so often the church in America forgets who we are and what we're built upon. See, when we understand that we're built on a cornerstone that's alive, our faith is vibrant. And when we understand that our lives are temples, then we live in a way that honors God in holiness and we strive to pursue Jesus. And when we fail, we turn from our sin and turn back to God because of our identity and that we're priests, which means we come to God daily in prayer and in worship. That's our identity. That's what it means to be a living stone. But not only do we get to worship God and pray to God as his priests, look at verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Notice the word that, that gives us the purpose. That's a purpose statement. It says, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our identity as a church as a temple on the living stone, is so that ultimately we can brag about God. We can proclaim his excellencies. We can tell other people what God has done for us, how he met us in our filth, how he met us in our brokenness, in our pain, and pulled us out of it and gave us forgiveness and clothed us with righteousness and adopted us into his family. We got to proclaim his excellencies how amazing of a God he is. I think one great hindrance, and there are many, to, to telling others about Jesus is that we become self-focused sometimes. And when the more self-focused we become, the more isolated we become. Whereas the more Christ-focused, the more we think upon him and his grace rather than our sin, the more Christ-focused we become, the more purposeful we become in our own lives and in our relationships to tell people, to proclaim his excellencies. We, the church, are uniquely designed for God's mission. We've built on a unique foundation. We've been given a unique purpose. My, my desire for us, family, is that we would understand, as Peter says here, who we are. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. I think the battle for our minds is is something that the enemy would so want us to forget who we are in Christ. He'd want us to get consumed with the rhythms of life. He'd want us to forget of God's grace. 
He wants us to not let our eyes turn inward to see our sin in order to then turn outward to look upon God. But Peter tells us to do the very opposite. And when we do that, we understand our unique mission. That's what happened to Jason Bourne. He began to understand his purpose. He began to understand his, his alertness his preparation, his mission. And church family, if we've experienced some sort of spiritual amnesia and we've forgotten us, who we are, let this be something that jogs your memory. You've been bought with a price. Now go, therefore, as God's priest and proclaim his excellencies. Present your body as a living sacrifice, worshiping God with all that you are. And when you fail, you get up and you turn back to that God who greets you with forgiveness and grace. This is the church built on the cornerstone, a living stone, Jesus Christ. That's what I want us to understand today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, the song says. I dare not trust the sweetest ring a holy trust in Jesus' name. Where's your trust today? My prayer is that it be on the cornerstone who sanctifies us and gives us a purpose and identity that's unparalleled in our world. Well, worship team, I want you guys to make your way on up. And what I want us to do, family, as we close in prayer and, prayer and in song here, I, I want us to turn our eyes inward here for a moment. We can stay seated where we're at. I just want us to reflect upon, upon Jesus, upon who you are and where you're at. And I just want to give us a few moments to just reflect upon this. And what Peter tells us here, how to turn away from where we once were. So take a moment, turn those eyes inward. Father in heaven, God, sometimes looking into our hearts is a really scary thing to do, God. Because we see things in there that we, we want to deny. We see things in there maybe that we've suppressed. And Father, I think uh, sometimes we're just afraid, Lord, of what happens when we acknowledge what's in our hearts. And so, Lord, I thank you, though, that you are a God who tells us that what is exposed there doesn't define us, but we, we, we come to you, God. Not just past tense, but we continue to come to Jesus. And God, whatever sin we find there, we turn to you, God. Lord, we know that Jesus was the cornerstone that was rejected by men and that's why he was put on a cross. But we thank you that his rejection led to our acceptance, God. That he had to be rejected in order to pay for our sin. And so we thank you, God. Jesus, we thank you for being that living stone upon which our faith is built. Lord, if any of us here today just find that, that we are not treating our temples right. We're allowing sin in our lives. Lust, greed, fear of man, people pleasing, whatever it might be. Lord, we just turn that to you. 
forgive us, Lord. And help us understand, God, that when we repent, when we turn from our sin, that we are met with a God or by a God that, that forgives us. So as we turn our eyes inward, let us now turn them outward, Lord, and turn to you. Lord, thank you, God, for not, not simply a hope of forgiveness, but a certainty of forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would free us from those chains that hold us down. God, I pray you'd break the bondage that would keep us from serving you. Lord, for any who are here today, God, and maybe realizing for the first time how badly they need you, they've, they've never truly trusted in you, they, they've known of you, they've heard of you, they've even agreed to the fact that Jesus died, but, but never quite turned their lives to you wholly. They've, they've never raised their white flag and surrendered. God, may you your spirit caused them to do that today, Lord, even now. And so, Lord, we are just overwhelmed with thankfulness that you've called us, you've saved us, now you've given us the great privilege of proclaiming your excellencies. As we sing this final song, my Lord, I pray that this would be the cry of our hearts, that it would be a song of celebration from within, and this might even be our place of freedom today. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Family, let's rise to our feet. Prayer team, would you come forward? We have brothers and sisters who've made themselves available to pray with you. We know God's Spirit is faithful to work in each of our hearts. And as he does that, we want you to know that there's someone here who would love to pray with you, whatever is on your heart and mind. There are men and women here in the front, and there's also men and women in the back who would love to pray for you and with you. Family, is Jesus a firm cornerstone? Is he, is he a faithful foundation? Let's sing this song, making a declaration. We know all of the ground is sinking sand. We know every other foundation fails but Jesus does not. So let's sing this with conviction like we believe it.
Here 